It's Thursday, October 10th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 269. This isn't spooky. Runtime for this episode is 58 minutes. And welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that doesn't know the difference between orcs and evil. My name is Jeremy. My defense is higher than my spell power. I'm Tyler. Most orcs are just misunderstood. My name is Zach. Now I want to add orcs to the mecha setting that we're making. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. Where our ruler is Sailor Moon. That's not confirmed. One person, <laughs> you, Zach, not even me, one person, <laughs> you, suggested that in the Discord. I didn't even Look, I, didn't I have already designed uh, suits for all the Sailor Scouts, just in case we go that way, so she can have four mecha bodyguards. I did but, not suggest this. Did it first I was... become Queen Moon? Oh no, is Star versus also secretly Sailor Moon tie-in universe? Probably. I was thinking about like the setting and our characters in general and i realized that i was just automatically filling in for the head of our state sailor moon <laughs> like it wasn't even conscious look you already established you have a rare resource which is clearly crystals <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the national anthem she is the one sailor moon yeah i, I mean know. i'm trying clearly, to think of how to say that her becoming that... like dictator of the planet is canonical yes in the future. No, that's my point it makes so much but sense. she never learns hiragana what? Also canonical. <laughs> uh, because she just invents her own magic language? <laughs> no, she, she writes in katakana forever. Oh, well, okay. That's hilarious. I was just going to say, like, I can imagine her becoming a tyrannical overlord. Well, I guess a dictator by definition is tyrannical, but... Well, not really. She's a benevolent dictator. Also, all we see of the future is when Wise Man screws it up and everything's awful because they hypnotize her daughter into thinking everyone forgot her birthday. And also, her husband thinks it's a good idea to send visions back to his past self, telling him to break up with Sailor Moon and not to tell her why. Brilliant. <laughs> it works out in the end somehow. I was watching something recently. I'm like, you know, a lot of this would make sense if the people in charge of stuff were just less dumb. Welcome to fiction. Just less dumb. What the heck was I watching? Although, granted, I, that's mostly like anime because it's usually people in authority. Oh yeah, no, it's sorry, it was Gundam Seed, actually. It was the Orb Coalition. Well, I think it was a mechanical horse that said, hey, you know, Seed Destiny would have gotten much better, I think, if the Orb government hadn't blowed themselves up. Yep. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they were just like, we want to make a bunch of terrible decisions, Kigali, and you're outnumbered. And she's like, what? Why? They Why just, ever? They, they failed their decision-making checks, that's what happened. They, <laughs> you don't they, have to make a check they, they all consistently failed their wisdom checks, like I critically was... failed their wisdom checks. I was just going to say they're all very in character, and their character is dumb diplomat, or dumb politician. So. <laughs> and also, I think Gundam Sea Destiny is a little early for this, but in the wake of the tsunami and some disasters, there was a lot of loss of face in the Japanese government. Like, the most recent Japanese Godzilla movie is kind of all about the government being incompetent. I uh. think Destiny was a couple years before that disaster it, happened. It was, but I think some of the this guy's incompetent stuff was, I mean, I might be wrong, it might be coincidence. But I think some of that was starting to creep into media, and he just hadn't had a major screw-up yet. The wonderful thing about American society is we've assumed our leadership is incompetent since, like, the mid-1800s. I mean, so. yeah, that's what the 80s action movie genre is all about. It's ever since Die Hard, that's what all movies have basically been about. Yeah. 
Except for the Michael Bay ones that are all about how soldiers are the best ever, and they're great. I thought all Michael Bay movies were about blowing stuff up, and that was about it. And also how soldiers survive those. And also about how Chicks is hot. You should uh, definitely watch that Lindsay Ellis video about a feminist reading of Transformers and how actually if you read the script, it's an incredibly feminist movie and Megan Fox's character is the only one with an arc and people are constantly underestimating her and she has to prove herself because she's a hot chick. But the visual language of that film just makes everyone think, oh no, she's just there to work pretty. Ah, I have not watched her stuff in a very long time and I really <laughs> should because I always like it. It's just like when I'm randomly scrolling YouTube videos, I'm like, do I want to listen to a half-hour, well-thought-out documentary that's actually going to make me think about stuff? Maybe later, but not right now, and then I never get around to maybe later. So what have you been playing instead of watching YouTube documentaries? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So I beat Celeste, and then I started going through the seasides, and then Celeste beat me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good cycle for a video game. Brutally <laughs> with sticks, right? Yeah, what I really like about the seasides is that there are only like two or three screens. The problem is some of these screens will take you literal hours to get good enough at to get through, which is both a good and a bad thing. I kind of hit a wall on it, and then I beat two of the seasides in quick succession, and I just haven't gone back to it. In the interim, what have I been doing? I picked up Super Kirby Clash, because it's free if you own a Switch. It's, I don't know, it's fun. It's a class-based Kirby boss rush fighting game. Class-based how? Because I also picked it up but have not played. So you have a sword guy who is kind of actually more focused on defense than being a sword guy. So he has some things where if he's not having to defend people, he can do some pretty decent damage. But when he shields, he provides a shield in a large area so other people can hang out under it. So he's a sword and board fighter. Yeah. Emphasis on the board part, I think, though. Got Hammer Dude, who is super slow. He can't fly like a Kirby, and his entire thing is just damage output. But because he's so slow, he kind of relies on support to either not die or to charge up his attacks, depending on what team comp you're running. So he's great sword. Yeah, uh, he's great sword. You got Doctor Healmore, which is a guy who basically like summons healing circles. He has some actually pretty decent DPS, but it's pretty situational if you're actually going to hit with it. His uh, down B is he mixes up a potion and you can store it for later, and it does a ton of damage, but only if you hit the boss in the right spot, and there's four different potions, and it's random which one you're going to make. So you kind of have to, like, hope you get into the right position. And then you got my favorite, Time Mage, a combination support slash DPS character. They mostly want to sit in the background and charge up attacks and hit enemies every time they hit with their neutral B attack. It plays a lot like low level smash at the end of the day except it's all very kirby so and it's all chaotic in a different way almost that like smash and kirby doesn't were made by really the surprise people. me you do have air dodges and ground dodges they're way less useful than they are in smash but yeah time mage every time they uh hit something with a charge neutral b it adds a little ticker to the boss's like time stop counter and when you fill that up time including the timer that will eventually be used to judge your score stops and allows everyone to wail on the boss while it's just frozen there for a few seconds I don't know, it's a really fun game, and I have never, like, I'm level 20-ish in it, and I have not run into issues with the energy system, so it is also an energy-based system. Because it's free-to-play. Yeah, because it's free-to-play. Um, And you can buy gem apples! And the way you get your free gem apple tree to produce more gem apples is to buy gem apples! To be fair, Nintendo is usually incredibly fair, especially compared to other people when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, I don't even know how to spend energy in Fire Emblem Heroes, let alone <laughs> run out of it. It's yep. actually not that hard. It's just early on, you don't tend to run out very fast. Yeah, I was thinking maybe I just haven't hit that level, but the problem is there are actually two different energy gauges, and the things you can do with either of them are almost identical. 
So I just use one so that it can start recharging, then start using the other until I'm almost out, go back to the other one, and by the time I've almost exhausted the other one, I will have gained a level, which refills my energy gauges. And like, I stayed up until two in the morning accidentally because I'm like, eh, I'll just quit when I run out of energy and can't do anything. And then I never ran out of energy. There's that Dokkan battle problem. It's the early gotcha game yeah. thing is that you're constantly gaining levels and restoring all of your stamina. So you don't have to worry about that. And then later on, you're like, but my stamina's run out. How do I get more of this? Like, it's a weird hypothetical world where there are multiple Kirby's is who are just D&D adventurers running around. That uh, sounds like the Kirby world to me. That sounds like a horrifying disaster waiting to happen. Well, they can't eat people and gain their powers, so they're not Eldritch Abominations in this imagined universe. You are fighting Nightmare, I think that's his name. The guy from... From Crystal Shards? Maybe? I don't know. He's the guy who is, like, made of a tornado on his bottom half. I'm pretty sure that's the guy from Crystal Shards. Yeah, I think Sounds he, right. He's also a guy from, I think, one of the Dreamlands... Probably. Anywho, you can get generic medieval fantasy equipment. They just come in two flavors. They're just weapon and armor. The kind of neat thing is as you get higher and higher levels of that unlock, you get more and more options about how to spec your equipment. So as you get into higher levels, you have like three or four choices of weapon at that level, and they all give you different stat bonuses. So you have to kind of think about like, how do I want my doctor to play in this particular scenario? So it like starts having some strategy. What I will say is that it greatly benefits from having human players because the AI is just kind of okay. It's not great. That doesn't surprise me at all. But like even, AI is almost always worse. Yeah, even playing with Alex, who is like, you know, not great at it. She's not a huge gamer. But even replacing one of the computers with her is like a substantially noticeable difference. It's a fun game. I can see myself burning out on it. But like if I want to pick something up for like five to ten minutes, it's kind of fun. Um, what else have I been playing? Because there was another thing. Oh, that's what it was. So for some reason, I just cannot bring myself to play Berseria, and I don't know why. So in yet another twist, I started CrossCode, which is a game I Indiegogo'd. I think I can explain why you can't play Berseria. Why is that? Because I'm the one that got it for you. That might... Well, I did start it, and I do like it. I just, like... My problem is it's a weird investment of energy, if that makes any sense. I mean, yes, that's my problem with playing video games, too. And then I just don't. Well, it's um, easier to drop into games like that Kirby one you're talking about, where rounds go by quickly rather than jumping into a full-fledged long-term investment with I mean, a game like that. Frankly, that's why I played so much uh, Smash and Splatoon over the course of my life, is because they're easy to pick up and you can just drop it at any time. The problem is I don't. I then spend two hours playing it anyway, so why don't I just play the Meteor game for two hours? Anyway, started CrossCode, and it has exceeded all my expectations for it this far, um, and it is... I think now in version 1.0.2, which is the last update they're planning on making for a long time, it is an isometric combat puzzle RPG. So it's kind of like an old Zelda game, I guess, in that respect, except it's you're in an MMO that is basically Westworld. You're sure. Westworlding and also dot hack. It's also dot hack. Because dot hack and Westworld are kind of the same thing, except they for are. one involves physically traveling to a location. Yeah, you are. Remote controlling a fully integrated VR <laughs> Android? Remote, remote controlling a robot that's in a real theme park? Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> because apparently that was easier than simulating all this stuff in a video game for some reason. I don't know why. Because so Sword R Online went awful for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Basically, they want to have real world ramifications for stuff you do in the video game. I don't know. It has been great thus far. Like, the plot hooks you, like, two minutes in, which is great. The combat's pretty good. They actually start you off as, like, a fully powered character so they can show off some of the stuff you can get to do eventually. 
and then they not- samus you yeah, and then they samus you yeah um you actually are playing an entirely different character as far as we're aware and you have lost your memories for some reason it's unexplained oh, i hate stuff and like that it's lazy storytelling they actually i think foreshadow it why i think you are in fact the same character that you start out as i'm basing this on like an hour of gameplay I think you are the character you start playing as, and your brother rigged something up to erase your memories to protect you from something that you learned that you should not have learned. And he thought it was better to wipe your memories than to do anything else. And then he dies, because he had a long-term ailment, so he can't undo it. So, you're just kind of stuck. But a helpful group of other people who are helping you for reasons that no one has explained to me yet are shoving you back into the game in hopes that it'll untrigger your amnesia. But, you can't talk... Because your voice sync isn't working, which is apparently a common problem in this highly sophisticated system. So he's hand-programming one word at a time. So at this point, I can say hi and my own name, which is fantastic. That sounds like a video game protagonist there. Yep. Next you'll get I'm, so you can go around going, hi, I'm Daisy. Well, he's still ahead of uh, Gordon Freeman. I really like it because she just, like, every time she gets a new word, she just enthusiastically tries it out on people. But it's also kind of a gating mechanism because yeah, some I was people... going to say so. Like words are actually keys yeah. in this context. Words are basically keys, but also it's really funny because it unlocks a lot of silly dialogue options every time she unlocks a new word. So I don't know. I really like it thus far. I've been sitting on it for a long time because I was waiting for them to finish the damn game. It actually uh, sounds very similar to the world ends with you. It's got a similar amnesia plot, and there's also a game mechanic where you put words in people's head. Huh. That works like keys. That was a game I was vaguely interested in back when it came out, but I never played it. Yeah, uh, Jeremy talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, I did. I played did it. Okay. It was pretty okay. Now. Yeah, okay, now that I think about it, I remember this. What else did I play? Um. Also, against my everything, I don't even know how this happened. I picked up the Link's Awakening remake. I haven't yet, but also... I am disappointed that it is basically the exact same game, which is the reason I was not going to buy it, and then I did. So You got those reindeer graphics. Though. I could have told you that. Well, to I was, be fair, Nintendo wasn't trying to hide it. I thought they were like doing changing up the dungeons a lot or something. Um, no, they just added that dungeon maker. Yeah, which is I don't even know if that's in it. The graphics, to be fair, are adorable. It did cause Alex to squeeze. And made the uh, yeah the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer elf yep. graphics. I'm also I think there is an added dungeon. I might have made that up, or it might be the dungeon from the Game Boy Color version they just threw in there. I heard that it is changed substantially from the original, but I have not bothered to research in what way because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. That said, I am playing on Dark Souls mode, which is fantastic. <laughs> All enemies do double damage, and they don't drop hearts, and there's one other modifier on it. That's actually cool. Like, I would like that as just a mode you can do on every Zelda game, or like as modifiers to make them harder. Because yep. especially most of the early ones are way too easy. And like, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask are easy because they're kind of adjusted for you not knowing how a 3D game works because they're some of the first ones. And now you're a big boy who's been playing 3D games all your life, and you know. And while Ocarina of Time's not great, the controls are fine, so it doesn't need to adjust as much as it does. I have died a lot, but also I only have three or four hearts now. I have beaten a single boss. Uh, they did change how that boss worked. It was like the caterpillar thing. I know exactly uh, the one. Yeah. The layout of the boss room is slightly different. Also, I killed him in two spin attacks. The, like, the mini boss was harder than he was. <laughs> well, you just gotta jump over him, and... I didn't even have to jump over him. Oh. oh. Um, I just, like... Oh, no. That, it was surprising to me that he died so easily. So, yeah, that's, I think, everything I've been playing. I played Monster Hunter with you guys this week because I just randomly happened to have a Sunday evening free. You did. It was fun. Um, and also some Counter-Strike with Ed and Zach. 
I didn't play that. I'm not Edward. <laughs> I should never have told them that you can take control of bots. It was so hilarious. I killed Ed four times in one game, and that's these are teams of five. What's annoying about this is Ed was on my team, so he kept basically just like as soon as Ed learned that, he's like, "Oh, I'm expendable. That's fine. I can just get." And so he started playing very stupidly <laughs> as a result. Not that he was playing, you know, great before, but it did uh, yeah, take it was, a significant downturn. It's one of those where I was like. I think you can take control of these, and I was looking at a bot, because I'd already died, and was like, wait, if I push this button, oh, there it goes. And then later, I in the same round, you, I you killed got Tyler, it, yeah. and he was like, what the hell? I'm like, what? why is this bot named after you? And Zach's like, I named it after myself for intimidation purposes. Did it work? <laughs> I'm like, not really, but... <laughs> and it's acting smarter than the bots usually yeah. do. Uh, what's hilarious is Ed and I played, I think, two more rounds after you dropped off, and... I, as a single person, team wiped an entire team of Ed. I only killed Ed. <laughs> it's like Assassin in Trouble in Terrorist Town. Me. I just, like, I kept finding Ed and killing him specifically, so... I do think you would enjoy playing at least a terrorist hunt mode out of Siege. Oh, yeah, no, I, actually, Siege has been a game that has appealed to me for a long time. I'm basically, at this point now, just waiting for it to go on sale, now that I occasionally play FPSs again, so... I mean, I guess Overwatch is an FPS, which I do enjoy playing. It's a very I've, different one, though. I only really like the, like, I don't mind Overwatch as a game, but it's one that I never really managed to get, like, actually get into. And I think it's because it's got the problem where it's a bunny hoppers game, and that's not something I'm really interested in. Bunny hoppers as in, like, you literally hop around a lot, or, yeah. Well, because your aim doesn't get really moved around a lot by most of those things, so... It's I... beneficial to make it harder to shoot. It's the same problem why I never really got into online Halo. Yep, because you could jump is very good in that game, and then you can just keep doing it and it makes it a lot harder to target. I really liked TF2 because there's one character who bunny hopped, and there's one character whose job is to literally sit around and like whack a thing and provide support units to his teammates. There's one guy whose job it is to be like, I don't know, like the classes are a lot more defined in TF2 than they are in Overwatch. On the other hand, there's a lot less variety, but then there's a lot of variety in what weapons you take. I don't know. TF2 was a great game. I'm sad that the community is, well, I don't know. Maybe it's dead. I stopped playing it, but I don't know. Maybe you're just dead. Maybe I'm just dead, and that's new theory. Anyway. Um, you're Bruce Willis, obviously. <laughs> I was the ghost all along. So now I'm going to go make some sweet ghost pottery. Yeah. Anyway, that's everything I've been playing. What have you been doing, Jeremy? I knew you were going to do that because you looked at Zach. Yep. You always look at Zach when you're going to ask I know. him. <laughs> I know. I did that. I'm like, oh, no, this is a tell. I know you're... it's a tell. And then I did it anyway. Well, you also sound a lot. You always do the same kind of thing with uh, sounding or trying to sound a little bit more clever than you normally do when just transitioning. Uh, not really video games. I'm still playing some Fire Emblem Conquest. That's what it's called. But I'm stuck on a kind of hard level. And so I play it once a night and then die. Did you say whether or not you got Charlotte? I had not last time. I have since. Okay. I can't decide if she's top tier waifu material or not, but I have a Sundari <laughs> in my party, so I like her odds are stacked a, against her. I, I kinda like her as a I character. I do like that she's a gold digger that's like, ooh, a handsome single prince, you say. Like I like her as a character, but she suffers from being an axe wielder when you already have Camilla, Camilla the queen of axe users. It's like, sorry, Hector, you're you're okay, but you're not riding a dragon. Is... No, but he is a lot tougher than Camilla is, which gives him a lot of benefits. Is Conquest the one where you are a corn? Yes. And, okay. And also your there's right. douchebag family yes. and actual family. And your sister, who's not actually a sister, tries to assassinate your father with opera, and you're just so dense you can't understand what's going on. <laughs> with opera? <laughs> yeah. 
And it almost works. I like how Zach said, yeah, like he's reminiscing about it fondly. He's well, like, the, I remember the opera attempt. Well, I was, I was thinking about it because it comes up and um, it's actually one of the things that's featured in the trailer. Because it was one of the scenes where they actually animated it. Gotcha. That's kind of the only... Oh, I played some Yu-Gi-Oh! with you, Tyler. Oh, yeah. Was that since we last recorded? I wasn't included. When was... It feels like a million years Because we were going to talk about the... Spoilers for... Yeah, hey, spoilers, Patreon. Is that spoilers? Yeah, it's spoilers. But but then we just played Yu-Gi-Oh! That is true, yeah. And then we talked about it at a later date. Yes. I had a Buster Blader deck that was surprisingly good for a deck where I just said, hey, what are cards related to Buster Blader? And threw them all in my deck. And then it turns out Buster Blader deck is pretty okay. It was maybe the best deck that I played against. Yep. I just chose, like, the default XYZ deck most of the time. And I think I did one of the uh, default polyamorization decks. Fusion. That's what they call that. Polyamorization is just Buster that one card. Buster Blader deck would shred me, given that it's basically, I'm going to go murder dragons now. Yeah, anti-dragon deck. I mean, really, it's I'm going to make all your units dragons deck. So, I have already done that with your deck. They are all already dragons. Yeah. So, I played some of that, got kind of bored with it when I made a Blue Eyes White Dragon deck that just destroys everything. That can routinely summon five Blue Eyes White Dragons in one turn. Yeah, did I mention that on the podcast at all? I have also been playing that game. I'm playing through the campaign before I make my own deck for some reason. You did not, I did the same thing. Okay. Um, I'm the only one that built my own deck and I, I've been using like, that. For, from the outright outset? Out. I think I got the darts and then made my own deck. Because that's, that's been my fa- one of my favorite things when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh! related games is building up my own deck, which makes me a little sad that it doesn't force you to use your own deck and slowly build it up. No, yeah, that would be fun, actually. That's kind of what my problem was with it, because you get the Seto Kaiba pack super early, and the Blue Eyes deck is objectively like a top-tier deck in that game. It's not the toppest-tier deck, but well, the it's deck they way more than good enough to crush the, everyone you the face. The deck they start you out with is not bad either. Yeah, but some of the later campaign missions get kind of hard. Like, hard enough for if you're using just a standard deck. But if you're just playing through the original Yu-Gi-Oh! where they don't really have anything, if you're not using the story decks, it's pretty easy. And I like the story deck idea. You I can was... see how Yu-Gi's crappy deck evolves. Yep, which is actually kind of fun. I was going to say, I really liked the way the... I'm don't think we rated it super highly. I actually really like the way the Pokemon trading card game made you start out with a bunch of terrible decks and then slowly build well, them up. Well, that's what most of those card games do, is they gotcha. start you out with a kind of terrible deck and then you have to slowly build it up. Yes, and I've never played a CCG game with like a story or campaign mode before, so other than Pokemon the trading card game. Most this is actually them- pretty unusual. Well, most of them kind of have a story going on, but it's usually kind of very much contained. Although I think the, uh, really, Yu-Gi-Oh! is kind of the only player in the virtual CCG-type game that has those going on. Because, like, right now I think it's basically, like, there's a Magic one, and then there's Hearthstone, and then there's any of these Yu-Gi-Oh! games. Well, there are a lot of other similar CCGs, but they're just trying to cut into that Hearthstone pie. They certainly don't have story modes. Oh, okay. Like, this sort of Yu-Gi-Oh! game is really an outlier, because most of them are gotcha games. I guess Yu-Gi-Oh! just figures they also have that, so... So I have also been occasionally playing, it's, I guess, not a CCG, but it is a deck builder, just, like, randomly I'll play the daily run of the, or Slay the Spire, which I actually enjoy a lot more than playing the actual game anymore, just because the modifiers are so silly. because it's novelty. Yeah. So I'll do that, like, once or twice a week, as I'll just spend a half hour doing the daily run. The only other thing I've been playing is build and paint and buy Warhammer dudes. What else did you buy? Let's see. I bought a Predator. I bought... Standard Predator? Yeah. I bought a Librarian. Primaris I, or not? Or Primaris. 
I is kit bashed it, a lieutenant. I didn't buy that. But is it because you got tired of me just being able to murder you in psychic phase? No, I I had wanted a librarian already, and I was like, they're kind of cool. some HQ choices. I at least want something that can deny witches. They they are cool. I will I will grant you that. I mean, you could have gotten Tigurius. Your your librarian just came out. Yeah, I know, but I don't really think he's that much better than a stock librarian. What the problem was? I think he can deny three times. Yeah, but for the points. I just can't remember. I, I can't remember what they have. I Plus, think Mephiston's pretty good, but he's Blood Angel specific. I just knew you bought those Intercessors a while ago. Yeah, putting the Intercessors together, putting the Hellblasters together. Other words, other nouns. <laughs> Gotta replace my Terminator Captain because I don't think he's good. He's just too expensive. Yeah. I don't remember how much mine is, but I remember it's about the same cost as my Librarian Dreadnought. Maybe a little less. What have you been playing, Zach? I've been doing the same thing as Jeremy on that count. I've bought a bunch of Warhammer dudes. I've been putting them together. I'm currently working on a Primaris Executioner, which has a lot of parts in it. I finally got a chance to use some of that stuff. Played three games of 40k. I've lost two of them. Um, One, because I didn't understand objectives and was kind of ignoring them. One, because my team kind of just had some really bad luck. What are objectives in 40k? Like There are different scenarios. Okay. Usually it's control a point, but then also like Depending on the scenario, sometimes you randomly roll which point is active. Sometimes it's if you control all the points, you get a huge swing. Whereas if you control one of the points, you, you just get a get little a tiny bit. One. Yeah. There's also if you kill your opponent's warlord, you get a point usually. And it depends. There are, you re- you roll for a scenario, and then that determines the victory points. Gotcha. Do you get to choose your army after the scenario no, is chosen? Usually, okay. it's just here's my army, and then this is the objective. Or at least that's how things have been when we've been playing. But oh, we're op- also not like doing tournament play or anything. Yeah, like that. I mean it's basically it's casuals. Each army has their own objectives too, and a lot of scenarios allow you to substitute one of the objectives for one of your army's objectives. But I'm not super clear on how that works. I did learn that putting my bale predator in front of a squad of infantry is a great way to see that squad of infantry evaporate. Because my predator is like anti-infantry. I like the the way you said that. I definitely imagined you had this predator blocking your infantry squad, and then they just got all sniped behind it. That's been kind of fun. I'm still working on that. I haven't painted anything, although I have primed all my tactical marines. I've got a bunch of paint. I just haven't done anything with them yet because my area is kind of small <laughs> when it comes to that, so I don't have a lot of room to do that. I bought two bottles of Corax White. One was just water, and I was very confused, So, which is why I bought the second one, which was cement. <laughs> what? I'll go get them for you if you want. I, I literally I had to- I believe a, you. I, I, just, bought, I bought some. It was literally so thin, I stuck the paintbrush in it, and it was like, th- th- I cannot paint this on a thing. There's not enough paint here. I got another one. It was just literally solid when I opened it. So, by your powers combined- uh, No, because I tried mixing up the solid one, and it was not. it uh. was not going. Yeah, so I guess I'll just use gray for everything now. You can't really tell the difference. So, yeah, I've been doing that. I've played a little bit, a little very bit of League of Legends since we recorded. And they have new Star Guardian skins that came out, and I was like, Ooh, "Oh yeah, that's a new a Star thing. Guardian." Skin. I can just uh, look this on the Zaya, Rakan, Nico, and Zoe. I bet Star Guardian Zoe is cute. Zaya, Rakan, and Zoe are like the evil Star Guardians, and, but Syndra, Syndra's all good. Hey, don't look at me. Oh, this is a video. I, I, I want I want an images. So that's that's still kind of a fun game, although I haven't actually... I didn't play any real games. I just played a bunch of bot games for it. I played a bunch of Monster Hunter with everybody on Sunday when like everybody else got off. It was me, Jeremy, and Ed left. And they're like, let's go do this fight against two tempered basil geese. I'm like, all right. 
Look, I knew that wasn't going to go well with Ed there, but I didn't have anything better to do with my time. <laughs> Internally, I'm like, well, this isn't going to go well. Tem- Basil Geese is already kind of a pain in the ass. Two tempered ones. That's going to be a disaster. Do they necessarily show up at the same time? I thought this is it's the one Basil- that seeks you out, it's right? It's Basil Geese. They won't leave you alone. That's what they do. They're really annoying. So that was a thing. It was. I mean, it's not like it's a big deal. We'll go back and try it again later. The thing me and Kevin tried yesterday to take out Teosra and Lunastra at the same time, and that's a pain in the ass. I ran low on a bunch of resources that I'm going to have to try and restock on before I try again, I think. But, I mean, at least I didn't cart nearly as much as Kevin did. Kevin carted exactly twice as often as I did. Which is twice? We tried the thing. It's a three-cart mission, and we tried it, like, five times. So, like... And all of them he carted twice, I carted once. So it, it's just, some of that's a little bit of luck and some of it's a little bit more, I'm more paranoid, I think, when it comes to making sure I'm topped off. Yeah, and I really should be. I just do not notice my health bar in that game for some reason, unless I'm Yeah, poisoned. you got carted a lot. Yeah, I also had way worse armor than literally everyone else. And that's actually something I had noticed when I went into whatever, like, high rank? Is that, the, that what they call that? After you beat Zora the first time? Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that my armor was not nearly keeping up with my weapons. So, like, I knew that before I started playing with you guys. I'm like, my armor is gonna need some upgrades soon. And now I have sweet Zora armor, and I actually did demonstrably better after I had that. The so. armor does max out for, like, resistance at a certain point. But, yeah, when you go to high rank, like, you want to upgrade it. And the Zora one is a good place to start. Because it's easy enough to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had just been min like, basically focusing on my weapon the entire time until I hit high rank, because I'm like... Well, none of these are basically hitting me at all, um, and if they do, I can just wander off and drink a potion, so I'm just going to make sure I kill them fast. Yeah, well, until just... you get the high rank, like, the armor doesn't transfer at all either. Once you get the high rank, every bit of armor you make can at least theoretically help you some way. And in a certain case, a lot of what you were doing with the low rank missions was you were playing with us, and since we're all bringing in these, even if we're just playing around with a weapon, we're probably bringing a high rank weapon in with us, so it's doing a lot of damage. Anything else, Zach? I've actually been playing a lot of StarCraft again. Did playing... you buy the new version? Or is no, Starcraft, Starcraft 2. 2. Okay. I'm like, I already own Starcraft 2, and I kind of like Starcraft 2, so I've been playing a bunch of the versus AI because I suck at Starcraft 2. Although I I was re- amazed to find out I didn't forget nearly as much as I thought I did <laughs> when it came to actually like playing riding a bike. Summon mules. Um, <laughs> Remember the mule. I haven't been using a lot of the mules, but that's for <laughs> a lot of the other. That's because like, I've never been good about using those in the first place. They did add at least two units to the Terrans. They gave them a move-in-shoot tank and I think a artillery vehicle or an artillery aircraft, which I haven't really used because my primary strategy when playing Terran is M-cubed. It's always been that because it's simpler. It's a good stress. Marines? Marines, Marauders, and Medivacs. Marines, Marines, and more Marines. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like in a lot of (laughs) cases, because you can build two Marines per barracks, and only one Marauder in most cases. Marauders cost gas, which you need to spend on your upgrades and your medevacs. Yep. So in a lot of cases, I end up with, like, six Marines to every one Marauder, which is fine. Marines shred things until you run into a bunch of Banelings that take out my entire army, and I'm like, well, that sucked. That's the weakness of M-Cubed. That's when you gotta gotta do that medevac uh, retreat. My Get last, everyone in the medevacs and um, drop them to shoot Banelings. My last game against Zerg, they didn't actually use Banelings against me for some reason. It did take me a lot longer to get through than it had in the past, and I was shifting into a lot more heavy vehicles because the infantry wasn't getting the job done. Terran mech is also good. 
So I was shifting into Siege Tanks and Thors and stuff. I mean, that's still a fun game. I'd still recommend that one to anybody who wants to try something like that. And apparently, I just learned that it's a free-to-play game now. Yeah, so you have no excuse not to. And me. it means I can play the Protoss campaign, which I, I still haven't played the Zerg campaigns. So. I may do that now because I um, I hadn't played it when I realized that it was there, but I was like, I didn't buy that. Maybe I have to. I think the way they're like monetizing it is I think they're doing loot boxes and stuff for it because there is a place in the thing that you can buy skins like to change what you're. Yeah, so, so all your Marines like. can be wearing silly hats or something. I mean, my Marines look different to begin with, but that's because way back when, when Wings of Liberty, the first chunk of that game came out, I bought the ter- or the uh, the collector's edition, which gave me a skin for my Marines. I think I remember you mentioning that forever and ever ago. That would have been before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. I still think I remember you oh, mentioning you that probably forever did. and ever I probably again, mentioned but... it. You get Also, part of that edition, at USB with StarCraft on it. <laughs> I've still got mine somewhere. We're so just giving it away. Literally. Well, at the time, it made sense. Anything else, Zach? I started playing Super Robot Wars V again because... It's on Switch now? I know, that's not why. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Because I, we're playing Mechton Zeta now? No, I'm so sorry. I cannot remember the guy's name on our Discord who posted his Mechanical top... Mechanical Horse? That would be it. Who posted his top five aces for Super Robot Wars X. So I'm like... I want to play Super Robot Wars V again. So I booted that up, and I've been doing that. I'm trying to get... I'm, I'm going to try and get all of the... Or at least the majority of the C, of the hidden units. Because I'm doing it on a non-New Game Plus playthrough. And trying to do it that way. Although it is make... The fact that my PS4 is plugged into the same TV as my Blu-ray player. Makes that a little tricky. Because I can't play it at the same time I'm watching... Whatever show I'm watching at the time. If only you could take an HDMI cord and plug it into another TV. I could, but you've seen my area. It's kind of a it's kind of a mess back that, there. That could take upward of five minutes. <laughs> it actually could take upward of five minutes. It is kind of a pain. I understand this dilemma. That's why I ended up getting like an input switcher thing. I also have one. I just had to take my 360 out of it to bring it to, down to live here. I am looking forward to to a couple things coming out later this year and next year. I realized that at least two games I'm looking forward to next year are remakes. I was going to say something when we were talking about uh, Link's Awakening, but uh, then I realized that I'm literally waiting for two remasters to come out. I, like, what? I can't think of anything coming out soon. I'm sure there is stuff. Next year, Persona 5 R. Yeah, it's true. And Fire Emblem Tokyo Mirage Sessions Encore. Oh, nice. I'm probably actually going to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions with Encore, even though I own the original. I mean, I have it too, but I'm going to buy it on on there. It's listed at, uh, as a January like 17th or something like that. Yeah, so I never played the original. One thing I, that makes me a little sad is it looks like it's probably going to be the censored version for a lot of cases, although they are adding a couple of things. But it's a fun game. What's your problem? Oh, I just remembered something else I was playing because I was very depressed for a minute and I bought Gal Gun 2. <laughs> I played it for about five minutes like, oh, this Jeremy, this is stupider and less porny than you wanted. So, uh, I played Galgon 1 way back when. It's fun. It's dumb as hell. but I did not find it to be particularly fun. It was, in fact, dumb as hell in italics uppercase. I kind of like game- some of those dumb as hell games. And I- the fact that it's a rail shooter made me laugh. It was not dumb enough for me. Uh, anyway, sorry, Zach. You either needed it more dumb or more porny, and it uh, didn't... Preferably both, if I'm being 100% honest, or more game mechanic-y. If it was a better rail shooter, maybe that would be fine, too. I'm... Like, I actually think the mechanic where girls have different weaknesses is a good one. 
because it gives you a variety in where you want to shoot them, but also there's no telling where the weaknesses are. So you just always shoot for your own preference and then are disappointed when it's not correct. <laughs> I mean, it looks like Steam is adding a lot more of those lately, but it looks like they opened a floodgate that I don't think they intended to. I haven't even tried to give Tyler any of these new games just for the sole purpose of uh, messing with him. I've thought about it, but then I looked at it and was like, Nah, I probably couldn't get away with uh, convincing him that wasn't just yeah, a, I'm needs, going to mess with him. Needs to be a little bit under Subtle? the hood. Yeah. I was going to say, I forgot something that I played. So um, That does not surprise me. Yeah, this was kind of a weird one. Is Occasionally we have video game days on Wednesday at work. And if I participate, which is fairly rarely, and also someone else participates, um, which is also pretty... like. The confluence of the stars where it's not just like the four same guys sitting and playing whatever on the phone MOBA they play, where we actually like get around the TV and play something, it like it happens very rarely. But this week we played Crawl, which is a game I actually picked up with Ed after Ragnar because we were both still like wide awake and but also wanted to sleep, and I'm like, well, I don't have any couch co-op games that you wanna play, so let me go find something. And I just randomly found this game on Steam. It was like five bucks at the time, so I picked it up. It's a dungeon crawler where one of you is alive and the other three people are ghosts who can possess objects or enter summoning circles and summon one of three random monsters from a list determined by which elder god you worship. It's fairly Lovecrafty, but with a different flair. It's also like weird corrupted code E, so it's a little bit meta. But if you are the ghost who kill- scores the killing blow on the human, you become the new human. This continues as you progress deeper and deeper into the dungeon until a level 10 human manages to find the boss entrance portal, at which point you begin a boss fight with an Aztec god, where each of the ghosts can take control of individual limbs. It is a weird-ass game, and I love it. Um, We played it with three people and one computer because we didn't. one of our controllers refused to sync. It's a really fun game. I highly recommend it. It is also cheap and on the Switch now. On the Switch now is a very good selling point. I remembered the last thing I've been playing. I because of the whole 40k thing, playing 40k game. I've playing a couple of games of tabletop 40k, buying the minis, building the minis, that whole shenanigans thing. I started playing Dawn of War two again. Is that what led you to StarCraft two, or kind of yeah, quite the flowchart? Where you're like, oh, this is not StarCraft two. Well, it's it's a different game because Dawn of War two is actually more of an RPG, like a squad based RPG thing, as opposed to a a full fledged strategy game. But I was playing it, and I'm like, I could go for some StarCraft, but I don't want to play the original one. And StarCraft 2 is already installed, and I would love to play some of that. Let's play that now. I'll probably play the Protoss campaign now that I know that's actually there. Hey, speaking of 40k, we played a 4x game this week. Yes, we played Heroes of Might and Magic, because no one wants to play a Might and Magic game. They're just these obtuse old RPGs. I've never played one, and they look bad just based on the screen art, so... Just on, like, the stat sheets, they look bad to me. I'm like, this is more complex than my D&D stat sheet, which I guess it's a video game it can be, but... But also, I don't want to see any of that. Which D&D stat sheet are you thinking of? Most of them don't look that complicated. I'm thinking of 3.5. I just realized, like... Most of them don't look that complicated. Well, yeah, you've been staring at them yeah, for 20 Yeah, I was going to say, years. you've been doing this since we were, like, in high school. So. I mean, sure, ours don't have bend bars and lift gates on them, but... <laughs> but no, but a 3-5 stat sheet has, like, 300 skills, four different pages, most of which are related to spells or psionic abilities. And you never played a uh, spellcaster, Zach. I played one a couple of times. I, we just never got anywhere. You played rangers. That doesn't count. Fair enough. Do rangers get spells? Rangers yes, get they get spells. to pretend to be druids once they hit level four. Did not know that. 
They get like befriend animal and create berries and summon archer slightly better. Create berries. <laughs> they do get cr- summon nature's ally. Good it's, berry. It makes berries that oh, feed you for an entire day. It's a very I handy spell. I definitely played a character that had good berry once. I remember this. I don't think it was in one of our games. No, I don't think it was. Anyway, we played Heroes of Might and Magic 1, and you're the big Heroes of Might and Magic guy at this table, Tyler. I am. You called it. Um, I was going to say, do, do you want me to give a, a brief overview of this Go game? Go for or? it. Okay, so the goal of this game is to take control of one or more heroes who are basically just like little like avatars you move around an overworld map. And move them around the overworld map to collect resources. You can then use those resources to build buildings at a town you control, or multiple if you're lucky enough to capture one, to produce units or get better stuff for your heroes so that they're more effective at having units. And you repeat this cycle until you encounter other people, at which point you have armed conflict, with the goal of eventually exterminating all your opponents off the map, although there are some other conditions that the game throws at you. Yeah, in this one, I'm not sure if there's any other win condition. I didn't hit any, but... There are a couple scenarios where, like, it's capture this town, or there is, in fact, a grail you have to dig up, but that doesn't have the obelisk mechanic. So, the more in-depth explanation of, I guess, how this works is um, each type of town, of which there are four in this one, have a, like, unit progression chart. They have, like, a faction. Yeah, they like, have a faction. It's you not... don't so much play a faction as each town is a faction, which yes. is cool because if you capture towns of other factions, then you get to use their units. What and it's I not... you get to pick yours though. Yeah, that's a. I don't want to see a huge problem in this game, but definitely something that feels weird is that your starting faction is just based on your scenario. Yep. Um, I mean, random's fine, but I'd really like to be able to pick so that I understand what I'm doing. It'd be like dropping you into StarCraft on random and saying, good luck. It's not actually random. It's just based on the scenario. But so, like, if you pick random. scenario one, then you're always going to play as humans. Yeah, and I I played mostly just random matches on this, so I didn't do a whole lot Maybe of... Maybe I didn't see that, because I was um, getting different ones every single time it loaded. Hmm, Okay. Yes, yeah, so, maybe so, I just played five games and of the same one, and it was humans every single time. I suppose I can't disprove that. And I just assumed it, it was always human. So yeah, there's like human, which are basically like medieval, like fief lord things. You eventually get like knights is their big unit. You have the elves who get like dragons, I guess. N- no, uh, they're no. hydras. No, no, those are that's the evil faction. The elves get. Very, they get unicorns. Unicorns they, is their biggest. Is their big one? Okay. There are also hydras and there are also dragons. Yeah, um, then there's evil, which gets hydras and dragons. And there's if, orcs, which gets bigger orcs. I know wolves is up there. I don't know what their top tier. There's cyclop, cyclopes, which are level five. Level six, I think, is just like big goblin. I don't. I'm trying to think of what I would even call it. I can't remember what the name is. Troll. Yeah, troll. Maybe it's definitely trolls in three. Is there six? levels anyway the way they kind of balance this is like all the factions are fairly distinct in what their units can do but if like you want a better fourth tier unit or if you want like your fifth tier unit to be an archer you have to go capture a town who produces a fifth level unit that is an archer so it kind of benefits you to go capture other towns because you can get different types of units something else to incentivize that is that each town allows you to build a mages guild which allows you to learn new spells and if you're not a magic hero to buy a spellbook, and I guess that brings me to, hey, there are might and magic heroes, because, obviously, heroes basically just provide stat boosts to your units based on their own stats, and I think their attack, defense, knowledge, which only affects their mana capacity, and spell power, which I think only affects their spellcasting power. 
I was going to say, the other thing they do is spells, which I guess could kind of work like tactics. They're they're usually pretty passive. You can get like lightning bolt spells that deal direct damage, but a lot of it is more like buffing your units or debuffing enemy units. Yeah, like honestly, I think the most efficient thing to do is like if you've got a big stack of enemy units with highly... I guess either unit with highly variable attack damage is either casting the buff on yours to maximize attack damage or casting a debuff on theirs to minimize attack damage. Like, honestly, is usually the better play than just, like, casting a lightning bolt. So the game is turn-based, obviously. It's got a turn-based overview, but then also the combat is turn-based, um, and your units just kind of go. It's kind of hex grid. You don't actually see the hexes, but that's more or less how it It's behaves. actually an option you can turn on to see the hexes. Okay, so it is legitimately hex? I thought it was. It yeah, felt it is, hex. But... It is actually hex. And basically, every unit has a speed. It can move that many hexes every turn. Flying units tend to have ridiculous speed, so they can fly across basically the entire map. And one of my bigger problems with this game was all the factions' units felt kind of similar, other than could they fly or not. Yep. Um, or can they archer or not. Yeah. But yeah. But they get basically a similar progression. There are some things I like. The tier one units are basically all glass cannons. They have zero defense, but they're very cheap, so you can gather big mobs of them. And if you do, you get a ton of attack power in that. But also, they tend to die very quickly, and they're slow. So you really want to get the first hit off with them? Yeah, then you have ranged units, which are obviously very useful, but the AI also super prioritize targeting them. So. Yeah, I mean, I do as a human also prioritize targeting them, so. Then, like, the next two units, though, basically feel exactly the same to me, and then they're just slightly stronger dudes. And um, those are the really boring ones, because there's nothing to distinguish them from your other units. Yep. Some of the things that distinguish, like, even the higher level ones are just, like, really strong dude. But, like, some of them allow you to attack everything adjacent to you, even friendly units, so you have to position yourself correctly. Or, uh, like, the dragon, and I think one other unit has, like, a directional breath attack um, that, like, goes at an angle and can hit more than one square way, which can also hit you or multiple of your opponent's units. I feel like combat kind of breaks down because it gets really samey. Yeah. It just comes out to, like, throw your dudes into the field and poke them at your opponent, and if you have more, you win. The spells can kind of give you some tactical flexibility, but the AI is not really good enough with them for that to be interesting. If you're sieging a town, it works a little different because they have, like, defenses, and you have a catapult that's randomly blowing them down, and they have some passive archery guns. But again, it doesn't really add any strategy or complexity to it. It basically comes down to, like, whose army is bigger. I was trying to play this kind of along the lines of Warcraft 3, which is probably why I failed so badly. Yeah, your hero is not as important as your Well, and I couldn't, uh, I didn't win any of the initial fights, and every time it's like, well, I screwed myself sideways. And so, I guess I will get there in just a second, but following up on that, um, this game has a significant, like, snowballing effect, but unfortunately the first couple turns matter a ton. And if you screw those up, you're going to be significantly behind your opponent, and it's really hard to gain that momentum back. I mean, that's kind of true with a lot of strategy games, is if you fall behind early, it, it's really difficult to catch up. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, Civ, though, you can afford to screw up the first couple turns, and it's not that bad. Not if you play a competitive Civ against other players. Civ okay. early game is crazy important. The thing about Civ is usually who had the better early game isn't actually revealed until a little bit later. Whereas, like, in this game, you can get into fights very quickly. Yep. Uh, especially if the map is small, and then that snowball effect can be immediate. Whereas in Civ, you have to actually find your opponent, you have to actually spend some time making military before you see who actually had the advantageous start. Well, I was thinking along the lines of StarCraft 2, because yep. that's the one I've been playing, and you screw up that early game, and you might as well just reset, because they're 
probably going to raffle stomp you unless you've got a lot of good luck recovering from it. So, I mean, maybe this is just true of a lot of strategy games. Is early game's important? Well, early yes. game's important in pretty much every game that's competitive because you get an advantage. It gives you a an advantage that you can use later. I think it's more pronounced in this game because of the way buying armies works. You have resources, including gold, that you get every turn. You also have, like, more resourcey resources. I don't know what to like call them. Crystal, but like building wood. resources. Uh, yes, building resources like that that you have to actually capture points to get income per turn. Or there are certain buildings that will provide them to you. Yeah, which I think is an interesting and good mechanic. But also, the number of units you can buy is based on what buildings you have, but also they only replenish once per week, which is seven turns. So if you get hit early on, you're in a situation where it takes a lot of turns before you can rebuild your army. Which is another advantage of having multiple towns is you have multiple pools to draw yeah. from. But you have to gain those towns, which creates a snowballing effect. And if you, you fall quickly. Right, if you fall way behind early on because you lost everybody, it's going to be real difficult to get those second yeah. towns. And I'm actually not saying that's a bad thing. It is just a th- like you need to have a positive feedback loop of some sort in a game, or I guess in a competitive game, because at some point you have to like win. Like at some point, one team needs to gain advantage. It's always better. It's always more exciting when it's a close game, but like. I think the game's flaw is that doesn't usually come down to who made the smarter play, though. Yeah, it's often who got luckier with resources. A lot of the, uh, what spawns on the map is random. Although there are some things where, like, you have to make a decision. Like, uh, treasure chests, for example, I think are, like, the easiest thing uh, to point this out with is, like, you occasionally find treasure chests on the map, and you can choose to either take gold from them, which means you can get more units, or take experience, which means buffing your hero which means the units you currently have are slightly better. And, like, which one of those is better? Um, And that is an interesting choice, but it feeds further into the snowball effect, because if you have a strong army, if you are buying all the units you have and you haven't lost your army, then experience is going to buff you even further. Whereas if you're behind, you want to take the gold, which puts you behind someone who took experience. I think the game actually has a lot of interesting stuff set up. I was really struck by how similar it is to later games in the franchise. Yeah, It seems like they actually had almost all of it early on. Just faction diversity is the one real thing that I think they needed to work on here, and some tutorialization, because there is none. But it's from the era where they expect you to look in the manual. I definitely think that's lacking. And like we talked about, choosing a race, it's really awkward when the game just starts you, and you're like, okay, I guess I'm these guys. Well, and they're kind yeah, of interchangeable. Well, I mean, you run into the problem where it's like, okay, I need to try this again, and it just dumps you in with a different race, and it's like, but I don't really know what these do. That's actually one thing that I think later iterations of this improve on is the races feel a lot more distinct and even like mid-tier units have special abilities. So it's like all the level three mid-tier units are actually distinct and you kind of have to choose which ones you like. And now that I'm thinking about it, like I always thought this one faction in three really sucked. And now that I know a lot more about strategy games, I'm like, oh, that's because their early game strategy should be rush. And I was never doing that because I just play, wait until I have level 7 units on everyone. It's always kind of tricky to play rush armies if you're, if you're not careful, just because rushing is a, it's kind of all or nothing early. If you yeah. mess it up, it's you're in the weeds. But now that I know like a lot about the meta of StarCraft, like, that is definitely this faction strategy in 3, is they need to rush, they even have abilities that make it beneficial to like lose guys early on. So I didn't, it just now occurred to me anyway. So I guess we're kind of rolling into final thoughts. And I think there's a lot of here for a game of the time. And I find it really interesting, but unfortunately I don't find it super fun. Like building up your town is cool. Getting a bunch of units is cool, but the fights themselves are kind of boring. It doesn't feel like my choices are bringing me victory. 
and the end game gets kind of a slog because of the snowball effect because you don't get so powerful that you crush your opponents under your heel but you get do get so powerful that there's no way you can lose and you're just slowly choking them to death it's a problem that civ can have sometimes too but i think civ is much better at it also has giving other you new novelties i have noticed that about civ sometimes it's like you get to the end and you're like i own 60 percent to the world that's actually a big problem with a lot of turn-based strategies i've noticed is like at some point your you're too just, powerful yeah the saving grace i would say is like alternative win conditions allow you to like even if you're losing you might still have a chance but there's still an advantage of being more powerful sure but that game this game doesn't really have that so yeah it has a couple like again they add more of that later but this game is kind of lacking that but that's i think one of the reasons civ is so great is i don't ever engage in military conflict and i often win anyway I go engage in military conflict all and the time win. in Civ and win that way. Because usually it's like, I'm going to go for the culture win. Yeah. I'm bored now. I'm just going to invade and murder everything. I tend to just keep enough of a military to dissuade other people from attacking me because it's going to be expensive for them. See, uh, I use my military to dissuade other people from attacking me in Civ by attacking them first. I mean, it's a strategy for sure. And you tend to have a bigger arc. Like, I devote my resources to other stuff, um, so oftentimes to my detriment. I don't think I focus enough on military and Civ. Anyway. <laughs> Final uh, thoughts on this game, Tyler. Um, not on Civ. I will say I am pleasantly surprised with it because I was not expecting it to be so similar to other games in the franchise. On the other hand, it's also, like, it's lacking a little bit of that something that keeps it from being, like, a good game. It's, like, a playable game. I had the same kind of problem, is that it, it lacked that kind of flair that pulled me in and made me want to try and learn the mechanics and learn the game. Like, I failed miserably to do anything in this game, but, like, it didn't do anything that made me want to try and figure it out. So, I will so, say there is a lot of meat here if you're willing to dig in, but there's no gravy. So, That's speaking of gravy, thing. we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, <laughs> listing all the gravies we've tasted from best to worst. The most delicious gravy is Chrono Trigger. It's got nice bits of marlene and... What is, oh, okay. I was like, marlene? Is and that Magnus in it? Yeah, no, I got there. Uh, the worst gravy is City Connection. It's all cars. <laughs> it's actually just all motor oil. Um. <laughs> the most medium gravy is Kirby's Dreamland because uh, it's actually very tasty, but then you find it out it's all regurgitated by this abomination, <laughs> and once you know how it's made, so you, just, you just feel bad about it. Kirby's so, Dreamland is slurm. So before we were recording, Cola. Zach compared this game to Lords of the Realm 2, and I think he's dead on with that comparison. I like this game more than Lords of the Realms 2. I think both have bad combat, but this game's combat controls a lot better, in my opinion, and I did find it a little bit more fun. I could figure out Lords of the Realm 2, but honestly, I think this game has more of a future as a franchise in the game. Lords of the Realm 2 actually feels more like it uh, naturally evolves straight into Stronghold. Okay, I think I was thinking about Stronghold. Can you refresh my memory? Which one is Lords of the Realm 2? You debate between getting cows and farms. Lords of the Realm 2 is the medieval and... turn-based. Okay. Is this not game. Stronghold? No, Stronghold uh, is more rts -y. Okay. So I think this is the one I'm thinking of then, and I think I prefer Heroes. So, so barely above it, a RTS is Rise of Nations. Oh boy, that's such a generic name. I can't remember this one either. This is the one that you can advance into like World War II oh, era. Oh, this one. Okay. It's actually got some similar problems where you get an early advantage, but you can't close. Yep. And it becomes a slow choking out of your opponent. And, you know, I dislike that more in an RTS than I like in a turn-based, but I think that's just, I think I just like turn-based games more, so that's kind of a flavor thing. But nukes. 
Bud nukes. Um, I, I couldn't get I... resonations working for this podcast, but I definitely liked it more than I liked uh, Heroes of Might and Magic. And I think I prefer Heroes a little bit more, but I could be easily swayed. Yeah, so you guys are putting me in this awkward spot, because I really don't know <laughs> which I prefer. Like, Rise of Nations, I definitely spent more time with, and I like the gimmick there. But also, I remember the controls just getting so fiddly at the end, which is a problem with a lot of RTSs. But I'm thinking of the way, like, bombers and fighters worked, and the responses. And I think the reason that this game is so low is how fiddly that was. So I think I have to go with Heroes of Might and Magic just barely. I found that one a lot more interesting as a game than Heroes of Might and Magic, so... so especially because you can have those fighters. Zach didn't play this game, but I do want to get your opinion on it, at least, Tyler, because it's just above it. How do you think it compares to Act Razor? Huh. You know, honestly, I think I might prefer Act Razor. I'm leaning that way, too. Um, It's just such a weird game that I... Like, I'm sad it wasn't better. So that makes this job easy, because the final question is, is this better or worse than Thief? Um, Which I, I feel has a subtitle I didn't write down. It's I don't think so. Thief Deadly Shadows or something? Or no, the first one, I think it might be, is it The Dark Project? That sounds right. But that also might be my band. There's a brewery in Denver called The Black Project. Yeah, no, I think I prefer Thief, honestly. It's doing a lot more. I'd agree with that. Okay, so Heroes of Might and Magic goes at number 173, above Rice of, Rice of Nations, and below Thief. <laughs> And you use your teeth to eat the rice of nations. So, Jeremy, what are we doing next week now that we're done with uh, I am so Heroes of Might and Magic? Well, it's spooky time! It's spookum season. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Because it's October, and this is my terrible count accent. Yeah, so what you don't you're realize right that. is on the weekends, I basically live with some goths, so it's always spooky season for me, but... <laughs> well, I don't, so it's now it's time for the spooktacular, and me and Zach have had plans for the spooktacular month for a while now, so next week we're going to play Night Trap, and Tyler has told me he doesn't know anything about Night Trap, so I'm not going to say a goddamn I thing. I think I'm I know something about Night Trap, but I've never played it nor watched any of the horrible, I assume, cutscenes from it. So uh, next time on Last Time, Nintendo throw you under the bus like Segdo. 